0: Jesus spoke these words to four of his disciples, four of his followers, Peter and Andrew, James and John. He spoke these words 2,000 years ago on the Mount of Olives, located a mile from Jerusalem across the Kidron Valley and rising 300 feet above the Mount provided a magnificent view of the city, including the temple. earlier in the day, Jesus and his disciples were in Jerusalem. They were in the temple. And as they were leaving, Jesus pronounced its destruction. He foretold the ruin of the temple. Well, there on the Mount of Olives with the temple in full view, these four disciples asked Jesus, when will it happen? How will we know? What will the signs be? And so Jesus tells them, False Christs, imposter messiahs, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famine, persecution, suffering, betrayal, trials, tribulation. These are the beginning of the birth pains. These are the leaves on the fig tree, Jesus says. Now, most trees in Israel cannot announce the change of season. In Israel, the almond tree blossoms early. Olive trees, oak trees, pines do not lose their leaves or needles in the winter, but the fig tree buds in the late spring. When the fig tree grows leaves, winter is past. When the fig tree grows leaves, summer is near. Summer is around the corner. So Jesus is saying when the signs he gives start to happen, when they occur, he's saying it's coming. It's near. It's around the corner. The temple will fall. And it did. In the year 70, the Romans tore down the walls of Jerusalem. The Romans demolished the temple. The words of Jesus came to be. They've already happened. And they did so within 40 years after he spoke them. This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. That's true. But it's also true that his words, both enigmatic and challenging, allude to something else, point to something else beyond the end of the temple, beyond the destruction of the temple. Something more cataclysmic, something more catastrophic, namely the end, the end of all things. Listen again to Jesus's description in verse 24. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Now, the picture Jesus paints here, the picture Jesus gives here is of a total cosmic collapse, creation plunging into darkness and chaos and destruction, the very heavens shaken and torn apart. That's difficult to absorb the full import of Jesus' words. In many ways, it's beyond comprehension. But if you've lived through any sort of natural disaster, like a tornado or a flood or a hurricane, you, you, have, a, you have a taste, you have a glimpse of what Jesus is describing. Now, as many of you know, I went to Beirut, Lebanon last November to visit the Philemon Project. This is one of our supported ministries. It serves refugees, primarily serving refugee children. Well, last week I spoke to the directors of the ministry, and I asked if that earthquake, the horrible earthquake in Turkey, if it was felt in Beirut, and if so, what damage that they had suffered. Well, they had felt the earthquake. And people ran out into the streets in terror, in panic, not knowing what was happening. Now, the damage was very minimal. But for days, the people were afraid to enter their homes. They slept in cars. They slept on the streets. They, they had this desire to, to be close to those that they loved, for reassurance, for for fear of what might come, for for dread of what might happen, potential aftershocks or uh, buildings collapsing. All understandably so. Well, Jesus is talking about the stars falling from the sky. Jesus is talking about the heavens shaking, cataclysmic destruction, cosmic upheaval, but he does not portray it as a horror. He doesn't depict it as a terror, something to fear, something to dread, something that you hope you're already dead when it happens. Rather, he portrays it as an event to hope for, an event to welcome, an event to embrace. Because out of the darkness, out of the chaos, out of the destruction will come light. Light shining in the darkness. Light emanating from glory. Divine glory. Light from the Son of Man, Jesus. This is his return. This is his second coming. His first ended in death. The Son of God died. He suffered the death of a criminal, the death of of an enemy of the state, death by crucifixion, but God raised him. To life. Jesus was resurrected. He lives again, which means this. Death is overcome. This is God's great act of redeeming and renewing and restoring and reclaiming his creation, including you. This is the act that begins to undo sin and the effects of sin. In other words, through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, God is making all things right because life isn't how it ought to be. Life isn't how it should be. The world is not how it ought to be. The world is not how it should be. And you know this. When you're not distracted, that is. You know it, and you feel it. You feel it in your heart. You feel it in your soul. Maybe it even haunts you that much is wrong. Much is wrong in society. Much is wrong in the world. Much is wrong in you. You see it. You experience it. You struggle with it. Either sin or the effects of sin, pride, insecurity, greed, lust, thirst for power, injustice, persecution, disease, depression, addiction, alienation, sadness, death. God intended none of it. God created you. God created the world. Good. He created it to be full of life and love and peace and joy. But sin has marred God's good creation, mutilated it, defiled it, filled it with death. It's not right. and You know it. You feel it. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that God has overcome. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's mortal blow to death. Death still rages, yes. Death still stings, yes. But the end is coming. The end is guaranteed. The death of death is guaranteed. All that is wrong is being undone. God is making it right in Jesus. His resurrection is a victory, but it's also a promise. Jesus is only the first fruits. Jesus is only the beginning. There will be a harvest. All will be made right. But it won't happen until Jesus comes again. It won't happen until he comes the second time. And the risen Son of God promises To return, he died in misery and shame. He died in suffering and agony. Darkness covered the earth. But he returns in light, he returns in glory, he returns in the clouds, piercing the darkness, overcoming the darkness and chaos. Jesus' words here are taken from our Old Testament reading from the book of Daniel. In our passage from Daniel, he receives a vision from the Lord. And in that vision, he sees one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Jesus is given dominion authority. And with it, he will break every power. With it, he will break every evil. With it, he will break every effect of sin, including death. All that is wrong will be made right, including you. Because in that description, Jesus says, when he returns, he will send out his angels to gather his elect, his chosen, his people to himself. And there will be life and love and peace and joy for eternity, forever, for you. That's, that's why this cataclysmic, catastrophic event is one to be embraced rather than to be feared, one to be welcomed rather than to be dreaded, because all wrongs will be made right. All the effects of sin will be undone. Death will be buried and not even exist as a faint memory, and you'll be with the Savior forever. Is that your hope? Is that your hope? desire? Are you His? Do you belong to Him? Do you claim Him? Is He your Lord? Is He your Savior? Has He redeemed you? Is He making you new? Like the disciples on Mount of Olives, do do you wonder, do you wonder, when will this be? How will we know? To which Jesus replies, he answers, no one knows. No one knows the day, no one knows the hour, no person, no angel, not even Jesus himself, only the Father knows. Now, down through the centuries, plenty have thought that they knew. Plenty of people thought that they have calculated or even received divine revelation of the day. Even the hour. They taught it, they proclaimed it, they got plenty of people stirred up about it. And yes, you guessed it, they were wrong. They will always be wrong. Never believe it because Jesus teaches it very clearly here. No one knows, you won't. No. So Jesus says this instead, be on guard. You're not going to know the day. You're not going to know the hour. Be on guard. Stay awake. He compares it to a man going on a journey. The man leaves and he puts his servants in charge of the house. Each servant has a job to do, including the doorkeeper. And the doorkeeper has one job. The doorkeeper has one command. Stay awake. In other words, be ready. Watch for his return. Watch for the return of the master. He could come anytime. He could come in the evening. He could come at midnight. He could come at dawn. He could come at noonday. The doorkeeper must not be asleep, but awake. Awake and ready to open the door, to receive, to welcome, to greet with joy. Now, all Christians, all followers of Jesus are doorkeepers. You are a doorkeeper, and his words are for you, he says, for all. Stay awake. Be ready. Are you? are you ready? Are you awake? The master might return today, tonight. He might return tomorrow. He might return next year. He could return in a hundred years. It might be a future event, a future unknown event, but Jesus wants you prepared in the present now for his coming. So are you at the door? Awake and ready. Now, if you gave a wholehearted, yes, if you gave a wholehearted, amen, a come Lord Jesus, then I would say, check your heart. Check your heart. And here's why. Make sure that you're not simply seeking an escape. You want Jesus to come so you can escape. Escape from your burdens, escape from your trials, escape from the world. Make sure it's so you can receive your Savior and meet your Lord who died for you. Are you awake are you ready? if you answered, yes, but what's your hesitation? What's holding you back? What's making you drowsy? Is it more important than the one who redeems you? Is it more important than the one who gives you life now and forevermore? Stay awake. Look to the one who promises to return, the one who promises to make all wrongs right, to the one who can bury death forever. That's the hope that Jesus gives. Hope that can give strength in this world where much is wrong. Don't sleep. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi.